Welcome to the Chick Monks Podcast, where we explore contemplative Christianity from a feminine perspective. I'm your host, Heather Lawrence. Let's get to it. Hey, Chick Monks. I'm excited to share with you today a homily that I got to preach at St. Andrews by the Sea Episcopal Church in San Diego, California, a few weeks ago on one of my favorite chapters of the Bible. So here we go with a reading and a homily from the Gospel according to John, chapter 15, beginning in verse 5. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Abba is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As Abba has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Abba's commandments and abide in his love. I've said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you subordinates any longer because the subordinate doesn't know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends. Because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my Abba. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So that the Father, my Abba, will give you whatever you ask in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. A life abiding in Christ sounds like it's going to be super zen, doesn't it? Just stay here with me and be loved. That's basically Jesus' invitation to his disciples here, or at least it's half of it. It's the starting point and it's home base. Rest, receiving, being in love connecting to the constant flow of love in the presence of God. It's peace. It's constant springs of life that never run dry. We, God's children, Jesus' friends, we're branches grafted into the vine of life and of love. And there, we can stop trying so hard and entrust ourselves to our source. This is where our spirits are at home, with God in perfect surrender. Without surrendering into our source, there's no life. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And there's another half to this metaphor, the part with the blooming and the fruiting and the pruning 
And now Jesus has added that the greatest measure of love is laying down our life for our friends. This is the drama of it all. Same metaphor, but this time from the view and the perspective of passion, the push-pull of desire. Without the drama, there's no life. Maybe you know that feeling, that feeling when things feel so good, so right that it almost hurts because you know it's going to end and you don't know how to enjoy it. Maybe that's just me. With that tension between rest and receiving and passion and desire, that's it. That's life itself. And on top of it, Jesus says, I'm telling you this so that you can know the fullness of joy in this life. Trust me on this. You have to choose love. You have to. Choose love and all its implications. Jesus doesn't give a lot of commandments in the scriptures, but this is the one, this one he gives twice in this chapter, right before his execution. Love one another. Abide in my love, he says. It's going to get messy, he says. But in all you do, in all you do, choose love. Have courage that if you are connected to me, your life will bloom. It will be beautiful and perhaps painful and definitely surprising. Often, you'll have to see the fruit that you've borne cut off and falling to the ground while it is still very beautiful and you aren't ready to part with it yet. And as your good fruit falls to the ground, it will sometimes feel like life and love are bleeding out of you. But you are connected to me, your source. And because of that, you have more than enough love to make it through this. Be brave. Keep loving. You can trust me in this, he says. This trust, this faith, This will be your only anchor sometimes when you're lost in the grief and the pain and the challenges of life and you are clenched with the grips of passion and desire. And it's there that love comes to perfect fruition. Because in the midst of the passion and longing and fear, you choose to surrender back to the source of love who makes all of this living possible. You are grafted into the vine, and you remember the life that flows through you once again. You remember who you are. And one day, friends, presumably very soon, we will look out where the one rose used to bloom, and we'll find that there's an entirely new branch, a family of blossoms taking its place, abundant life, where once there seemed to be only grief. Maybe you can think of parts of your story where this has been true for you. Maybe there have been moments that you've seen fruit multiply through you in the rawest and the tenderest places. Each time we notice these buds of new life, it's a practice of surrendering our branches back to the vine of the whole. And with practice, Our trust grows. Our trust in Christ 
grows. Our trust in the love that gives us life continues to grow. It will come more naturally as we live and develop through the passion of life by grafting ourselves into the flowing peace of God. Now, I don't know about you, but personally, I find this drama to be kind of exhausting sometimes. The times that I would prefer control. I mean, surrender, desire, peace, passion, striving always for balance between the two. But Jesus really wants his friends not to feel overwhelmed by it, but to find joy in this process. Actually, it seems that it's joy in the experience that keeps our branch open to the flow of life from its vine. A branch that delights in receiving and giving, blooming and pruning, and remains unshakably planted in its source. That's joy. When we're branches in the vine of God's eternal, self-giving love, when we're connected to God as our very life, and we hear Jesus' commandment, love one another, it almost seems like it could go unsaid. Like it's a little obvious. It's like telling a grapevine, grow grapes. It's obvious because that's the very nature of a grapevine to grow grapes. Any work or caretaking we put in on a grapevine from the outside is only to produce more grapes, not to change anything about it. And so we, we are lovers, givers and receivers of love, because it is so clear that this is the very nature of our vine, our spirit, our humanity, to love not only in rest and ease, but also in passion and drama. The passion of the Christ is what we say to describe the fullness of His expression of love. Remember His words? There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. The passion of Christ in you and in me is this very coursing of life through our bodies, our work, our relationships. Passion is what moves us forward. It demands uncertainty. It demands risk and vulnerability. And when we first see it lined up, it seems like it might actually be a threat to our peace. But Jesus shows us how to hold them both at the same time. Are you ready? By asking our source for our deepest desires. When the pandemic got real for all of us last March, I was house-sitting, taking care of a very old dog named Maisie. She was perfect, the house was delightful, and the neighborhood itself a ghost from my past. On our walks, Maisie and I would pass a house around the corner where I had spent many an evening and a weekend cooking and laughing and eating and praying with my ex-boyfriend and his roommates, all of whom had moved on already from our shared chapter of life in Nashville to their new calls, States Away. Blooms on the ground. And the wild and unpredictable spirit of Christ was stirring up my life, too. All of my work required people to gather at the time. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm kind of crazy about people. College ministry, teaching yoga, bartending, none of it was relevant anymore. And as my work evaporated before me, 
I saw an opportunity, and I took it. To abide with Christ in the love of God so deeply that I began to trust that my thoughts and my loves became that of God. Laying my heart and my passions before God in complete surrender taught me that when I trust my desires, I trust the work of love in me. This was something that years of growing up a perfectionist and conservative Southern Christianity had concealed from me. It was not accessible to trust myself and my desires. But when life as I knew it came to a screeching halt, I learned to let that trust be my practice of faith. It was kind of all I had. I think this is how it goes with prayer. We can spend our lives consumed with ourselves by expecting God to magically grant us our three wishes, or we could overcorrect in the image of humility, sure that our little desires don't make a difference in the grand scheme of things, so we dismiss them. We never bring them to our Creator. But I want to ask you, do you believe that desire has shaped your life? Can you trace the fruit of God's love to places where your own passion has led you? And if you silence your longings, who will bear that fruit, if not you? In order to really start asking for the things that we want, we have to first believe that they're good. Believing our desires are good means that we also have to believe that we are good. And in order to believe that we are good, we have to be drawing from goodness as our very source of life. But choking off your wants, denying your own passions, it only prevents the flow of love in your life. To ask for what we want the most is an act of trust, a practice of faith, and an embrace of our own human vulnerability because it comes with surrendering to our source. And that combination can feel terrifying, if not straight up impossible. I ended up spending three weeks with sweet old Maisie in our little hermitage, as I called it. And I saw blossoms of my work and relationships and old desires that no longer fit me all fall to the ground. And as I did, I started to notice what God was pouring into my life. So much love and desire that I just had to ask if I could move to San Diego. I'm telling you the truth that doors flung open here and only here. And God has abundantly provided for me in relationships and work and vocation. And I don't say this as someone who's figured it out, but as an invitation to graft our desires and our lives back in the source of life. And it was there, in that grafting, that I asked for what I wanted. And that source, it budded right into new life. And I have never been more confident in the mystery of love. Otherwise, how could I stand here and tell you that God is with you and moving in you in peace and in passion? And God loves you to pieces. How else could I tell you that all your desires to feel loved and to give love and to be alive and bring peace and justice to the world are good? And they are because you, you, my fellow branches, you are made of love. It's who you are. 
Amen. Amen.